Meanwhile, back at the Hall of Justice, our mild-mannered podcasters were bombarded by gamma rays, bitten by radioactive bugs, mutated by toxic waste, irradiated with cosmic rays, born into a world that doesn't understand. It is Wednesday, January 11th, and you are listening to Talking Comics. I am one of your hosts, Bobby Shortle, and I am here in the house with Steve Say. Hello. On the line with Stephanie Cook. Hello. And joining us in studio, Fanboy Remix alum, Bob Ryer. Good evening, all. So, we are back um, this week on Talking Comics. We're going to be taking a little break in our topic of the week from comic books and doing our top five games of the year. Ooh. But before we get to that, and of course before that, we'll be doing our book of the week, and we're going to go off the beaten path with Steve to learn about... It's going to be a very beaten path this week. It's a very beaten path. It's very beaten. <laughs> <laughs> um, but before that, um, how's everybody doing? How you doing, Steve? I'm doing good. You're doing good? I'm doing pretty good. I'm, uh, I'm on the mend. Yeah, how's your uh, how's your wheel? It's good. It's uh it's getting back to uh it's getting back to normal. Don't need no uh crutches or canes or paraphernalia <laughs> of any kind. So uh no, it's good. I'm 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 feeling good and uh things in the new year so far are coming up. Ro- I don't know. Roses, <laughs> roses, roses and comic books. Coming up rose. Roses. roses. Um, we had a most excellent hibachi dinner on Saturday night. We did. Oh, yeah. All yeah. of us except Stephanie. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, it was cool. The, our chef was hilarious. Henry. Henry. Henry, yes. Henry. Henry. Hilarious. Henry's and a riot. I had maybe two pints of sake squirted down my gullet. Um, <laughs> yeah, I had a little bit more than that. <laughs> I, yeah, I think we're all still recovering. I mean, that's half a week ago already. Yeah. I, I, I left that. I had... I was a beer and a half in at the bar and I was wasted <laughs> at the hibachi dinner. Um, but it was a lot of fun. It was a good time. It was a very good time. And Your sister's a riot, dude. My yeah. sister um, is crazy and oh, hilarious. Did she, did she keep, yeah. is, did I hear right? Was she keep calling him whore? Yes. Yeah, oh, yeah, yeah. that's true. <laughs> yes. That's a uh, standard Lindsay. My sister's name is Lindsay. Uh, vocabulary. Uh, yeah, she was on top of her game that night. She was being <laughs> freaking hilarious. She's funny, dude. Yeah. Um, she started. They, she, he said to sing her. He, the chef asked her to sing a song to him, and she started singing "What What in the Butt." Yes, I remember that. <laughs> Three times she yeah. sang it. Yep. yep. So there we go. And she got to flip the egg. <laughs> yes. To the, to the, on, on the spatula. Um, it was pretty hilarious. It was, it was um, a good time. It was a good night. Um, other than that, just you know, playing video games. Yeah, well, I watched a lot of movies in the last. Yeah, week. you have watched yeah. a lot of movies. Yeah, I, I think at least eight movies. I see. <laughs> I see your week. updates, and I'm like, where is he that he's doing this? Yeah, I just well, sometimes I forget to update, so they all get done in like a. Are you one of those? Yeah, because yes, yes, yes. Nancy and Nancy, my my wife. For those of you that don't know, Nancy will not update uh get glue unless she's actively watching the movie. I'm like, we just saw it. You can post. She said, no, it's cheating. <laughs> you have to finish. 
Yeah, you have okay. to finish the movie and you have to be watching it at exactly the same moment where you're on Get Clue. That's 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 a little extreme. I agree with finishing it, maybe. Hey, well, you know. Um Stephanie, how are you doing? I'm doing great. Um nothing too exciting to report. I've seen a whole bunch of movies. I went to see I don't know if I saw this last week, but I saw Mission Impossible Four and Tintin Ooh. and I yeah. saw uh, Sherlock Holmes on the weekend. Ah, what are your little mini reviews of those films? Uh, they were all great. I mean, I was hesitant about like Tom Cruise being in the franchise again for Mission Impossible, but he did a really great job. Jeremy Renner was like amazing in it, and I'm really looking forward to him. And like, he's supposed to be in like the Bourne movies now. Yeah. Yes. And Ooh. I mean, oh, I think he's going to be great. And in the Avengers too, mm. uh, Tintin was fantastic. Yes, and, it was. Um, I think Sherlock Holmes, I was like the first maybe 15 minutes. I was like, I don't know how I'm going to really get into this because I've gotten really, really hooked on um, BBC Sherlock. Ah, Cumberbatch. Yeah, he's really spoiled me. And so um, I dreamy. was like, how am I going to enjoy this? But it was a lot of fun. And they're really like just so different. So, I mean, you can still enjoy both of them. And, you know. Yeah, they couldn't be more be. different. Sherlock Holmes. <laughs> characters yeah. really um but i enjoyed the second Sherlock Holmes movie i liked i liked it actually more than the first movie mm. yeah um, it was a lot of fun i mean robert downey jr i think is a bit of a weird choice for sherlock but he pulls it off really well and i really enjoyed it very nice very nice um True story <laughs> have you seen any of the bbc sherlock Bobby? i've seen the first season and I, and I have the first two episodes of the new season but i haven't watched them yet new season is crazy episode. pants it's really yeah. good the season opener is like one of the best episodes of TV I've ever yeah. seen. I think you'd enjoy it also, okay. Bob. It's a modern times, this this go around. Yes, but it? it's yeah. it is so it's so clever. It's it's really well thought out. I enjoy it. And, and Stephen the Moffat. first episode was a Moffat episode too. So. Yeah, y'all. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Very uh, nice. Uh, who episode? You have to help uh, me it's, here. It's very oh. very appropriate you said that because he is the guy who runs Doctor Who. Oh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> Um, yes, the first season is excellent. It's fantastic. Uh, uh, I, I, it was one of my favorite things on TV um, last year, and uh, I'm really looking forward to watching it. I just haven't, I've been watching so many movies that I haven't gotten a chance to even like take a look at it yet, you know? Um, but uh, that's enough about that kind of stuff. We're going to talk enough <laughs> not about comics in the latter half of the show. Let's talk about some comics. Let's do our book of the week. Let's do it. <laughs> So, Stephanie, yes. what is your book of the week? Um, well, I've read a couple things this week, but I know one of them is someone else's choice this week. So what I ended up uh, choosing was um, Morning Glories. Um, I don't know if you guys have heard of it. I've seen it, the cover for it in the, in the stores a couple of times, but I never, uh, I'd never bothered to pick it up. Yeah, it's um, by Image Comics. It's written by Nick Spencer. Uh, it's illustrated by Joe Isma, and I, I'm, I'm not even going to try and pronounce this guy's name. Rodin S. S. Cargo. Yeah. Anyways, I think I think you got it right there. S. Rodin something. Anyways, um, so I've had this series for a long time. Um, back when. I used to be really active on like DeviantArt and um, I would interact with some of like the comic book artists and 
illustrators on there. And um, Joe Isma was one of the artists that I've done a couple collaborations on, on some past blogs and stuff. So I picked up Morning Glories when it was first issued, and I kind of actually neglected it until now. Um, so I finally got a chance to read it, got into it, and it's so good. I didn't know too much about it. I, again, picked it up because of Joe Isma, and um, I thought that it was just sort of this story about some kind of like snotty prep school students, um, and they were going to a school called Morning Glory Academy. Anyways, it turns out that it is sort of like that, but it's got a much more sort of sinister turn to it. Um, basically, it's a five-star prep school, and uh, these kids get selected to go to the school, and they think that they're going to, you know, further their education. And uh, <laughs> really, it just takes, like, the first few pages, you're like, oh, okay, this is going to be like, you know some coming-of-age story, like page three or four, you're like, oh, not so much. Um, I feel like I was really I there with you while you were reading the book. Yeah. I'm looking at the artwork for it right now on my phone. It looks really cool. Yeah, it's really sort of um, simple, but it gives like sort of this sort of modern kind of tone to it. I don't know how to really describe it. It works really well with the style of the story, but... um. It's pretty great. I mean, I thought it was a lot of fun, and um, I'm interested to see where they take it next. I mean, there's... I, I don't really know how to describe what's going on. I mean, it's kind of like this... They find out that they've all got, like, the same birthdays, and it's just, like, this really weird what the fuck. Um, <laughs> okay. I, I'm having a lot of trouble trying to because they don't really give you a lot to work with. The first issue is basically um, introducing you to all the students, which, you know, will in turn lead to the further issues and the explanation of why people are dying and blowing seem, things up. Does it seem like it's going to have, is it any sort of like, like supernatural element to it or does it seem? Yes. Okay. Um, like there's this one dude, like, and he's kind of there, but he sort of has, um, like, a double of himself, but the double is see-through, kind of like almost like a ghost, like he can reach through things and stuff. Ooh. And he's in there, like, a lot uh, throughout the first issue, but he doesn't really, you don't really know what his deal is. He's clearly evil, but they don't explain what the hell's going on with him. Mm. And, like, the teachers at the school clearly know that this guy exists and he knows that they know that he's harming students, but they don't really seem to care too much. Hmm. Um, so I don't really know what's going on in terms of the sinister aspect of it. So that's why I'm saying more, it's more of a character build for the first issue, but it definitely does like a really good job of building up the suspense and definitely makes you want to read more cool so it's like strategically hiding it's, yeah okay I'll, I'll i'll read a couple more in the next couple of weeks and maybe i'll follow up by uh posting some of the reviews on the site but uh nice. i don't really know how to get into it too much without giving absolutely everything away it looks it's really like good like the art's fantastic the story's fantastic so far and i really really want to see where they take it i've been hearing a lot of good things about it Okay. Um, I don't think that Image Comics thought that it would do quite as well 
I mean, the hmm. first issue alone, I think, had to be reprinted four or five times. Oh, um, that's good for them. It's doing well. Yeah. yeah, that's good for them. Yeah, so, I mean, it's really taken off a lot more than they thought, and uh, I think that means good things to come. So this first issue, it's vague, but it doesn't feel like, it's not unsatisfying. No, okay. I mean, a lot of it's, um, you meet a couple characters, I guess, from the former years, okay. and um, you kind of see what happens to them in the academy. Okay. And then you get introduced to other students from kind of all over the world. There's a lot of them. I'm not going to lie. I can't really remember all of their names right off the bat. But um, mm. there's like one from Toronto. Woohoo, Canada. And uh, <laughs> then we've got like someone from Tokyo. And then there's a bunch of people from around the United States and that sort of thing. And I think there's three or four girls, three or four boys. And uh, they're the new students at Morning Glory Academy. Uh-huh. And um, it's really just building up them. Like you get to see them a little bit before they go to the school and then you get to see them for their first, like um, for registration day and stuff. Like hmm. they okay. don't do any of the classes. It's just them getting to know each other. Interesting. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, it sounds kind of like, uh, I guess school oriented, but it's more sort of focusing on the characters and their lifestyles and hmm. that sort of thing. Definitely worth yeah. a read. Very cool. I'm looking at the uh, the artwork, and it actually, I don't, I could be completely off, but um, you ever see the movie Saint Trinians? Yes. It reminds me a little bit of Saint Trinians mixed with like the faculty, or something yeah, yeah, like yeah, that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's definitely mm. a lot more uh, the faculty as opposed to Saint Trinians. <laughs> yeah, I would, I would think so. Um, Saint Trinians is pretty goofy and silly, but um, the faculty is just. The so most serious. benchmark of serious cinema. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Maybe it's a little I mean, of Never Let Me Go. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, well, that's very serious. Yes. <laughs> very, very serious. We're getting even... Yeah. We're getting dark. Gloomier. Um, so, Morning Glories is the name of, of the Morning book. Morning Glories, yes, by Nick Spencer, and again, illustrated by Joe Isma and some guy that I can't pronounce the name. Rodan. <laughs> so, yeah, yeah Rodan. Or, or Godzilla or Mothra or somebody. <laughs> Something yes. like that. How yeah. many issues? Um, do you know how many issues are out so far? Um, I, do, I don't know what they're up to. Um, this one came out back in... I mean, this... I got that like two summers ago. I got that, I think, in 2010, so... Oh, so it's been going for a while. Yeah, but uh, again... It's still going, and I just finally got a chance to pick up number one because it's a series that I really do want to get into. Um, so, Neato. yeah, very cool. Cool. So Stephanie alluded before that there is another book that she would like to have picked for book of the week that was on some. It was somebody else's book of the week, and I think I am the culprit. Yeah, yeah. it's definitely you, Bobby. Think, yeah. It's definitely me. It's definitely you. Um, and that book would be Fatal, uh, written by Ed Brubaker with art by Sean. Phillips. Um, Phillips and Brubaker have worked together a lot in the past, especially on Brubaker's um, uh, more independent work. Um, Fatal is a noir story. Um, it's a, a double narrative. It's it's set in 2012 with a reporter who is the executor of a crime novelist's um, estate, and the crime novelist has died, and at his funeral, he meets this very alluring young woman named Joe Josephine, and um, later that night, while he's looking through his uh, the the crime novelist's stuff, who happens to be his godfather, he finds an unpublished manuscript 
uh, that was written before anything this author ever had published. In that, when he finds the manuscript, he also gets a, like uh, assailed by some thugs, which leads to a really cool action scene, and then leads to this guy reading the manuscript, which 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 is our split narrative. It takes us back now into the fifties, where um where we're seeing a, a, a side narrative play out, or it's more like our main narrative play out with um this author as a character meeting a woman who looks an awful lot like the woman that our reporter meets in 2012. Um, what's cool about it is that um, in the 2012 narrative, it seems to be using, it's a noir story, which is in itself unique for a 2012 set, set story, which that makes that very unique. When you're back in the 50s, a noir story is not so unique. It's, it's sort of almost um, normal for a detective story. But he throws in some hints of supernatural elements and some other stuff going on. Um, you know, Brubaker is a, a fantastic writer. I know Bob, obviously he Big writes your America, favorite. Yeah. yeah. He writes Captain America. So, um, and I think that unlike a lot of the other big guys, I mean, and especially in the, in the modern era, he doesn't get as much, I think, press as a lot of those guys get like, uh, you know, a, a Frank Miller or Brian Michael Bendis even, mm-hmm. or, um, you know, a, a whole list of other people, but he has been consi- everything I've ever read from him has been of the highest quality, and this is no different. Um, the story is engaging. It's um, noir. If you like noir, it's something you should absolutely be checking out because it's got that whole, you know, you know, s- smoke from a cigarette, you know, you know, scratchy records. I like you know. how the, uh, the, like, the 50s artwork carries all the way through the book. Yeah, that yes. they didn't They didn't bother to, to modernize it for the 2012 sequences. Yeah, which is very cool and gives that 2012 sequence a real authentic... Yeah. feel and i also said in my review if you look at it on talkingcomicbooks.com um it makes it feel timeless which is something that isn't very prevalent in the world of mainstream comic books sure. well, is that his normal art style sean phillips you know i don't know i don't okay. I, I i have yeah, I, I, I would say so it, yeah it's there's um because it's very reminiscent of a guy named wally wood who worked for ec and did some work for marvel did uh Submariner or Daredevil for a while. It it he drew girls just like that, and he mm-hmm. drew in that time period. And he if he's channeling Wally Wood, it's so perfect it's, to tell this story. It's amazing. What's what's really interesting about it is that it's an independent comic, but it's a great step away from reading superhero comics and still wanting that kind of mainstream feel because it's still a very mainstream story mm-hmm. there's you know it's not doing crazy stuff it's not like green wake that book we're you know which goes into crazy directions it's still thing a very traditional narrative but it does so in such a great way it reminds me of like a hitchcock film whereas he was mm-hmm. always working within constraints of a genre but did a, great things in those constraints and that's exactly what's happening in fatal mm-hmm. um you know, it's one. Of, it, it's a propulsive book too. Whereas I got finished with it and I didn't want it to be over, mm. but I didn't feel like I was shorted anything. Mm-hmm. You know, which I feel like is a lot of times my problem with books. You know, yeah, placeholders. Yeah, and this is not. A, this is a great start. Yeah, I can't wait. I, I, I'm very interested to see how they incorporate both narratives going forward. I don't know how they're going to keep doing the 2012 narrative as opposed to this, but they're obviously both going to keep going. Um, you know, they're great hard-boiled heroes. They remind me of the great film noir. You know, I can imagine them, you know, with Jake Giddis and Sam Spade and all sure. those people, you know, so it's, it's a great take on that. Um, I can't recommend enough. It's just, if you like noir, you'll adore it. And if you like good comic book writing, you'll also adore it. So. I love the cover 
of the the oh, comic. Oh yeah, like yeah. I'm looking forward to the next issue just to see what the next cover is. Yeah, it's it's fantastic. Uh, Stephanie, you also read it. I did. I had a chance to check it out today, finally, and um, I'd been waiting to find a copy out here in the tundra of Prince Edward <laughs> Island. Polar bear and, woods. Uh, I got my paws on a copy today, and I loved it. It was amazing. I I can't say enough good things about it. I've said in the past that I would blind buy pretty well anything Ed Brubaker, and after reading issue number one, mm-hmm. I wouldn't hesitate to pick up the rest of it, like, even if it didn't pan out, I would still buy it and read it. It's yeah, it's great. So uh, it's so good. Mm-hmm. Um, I, sorry, just go ahead, Stephanie. Oh, I just love the whole feel of it. Like it just like you said, you pretty well just summed it mm-hmm. all up. But it was amazing. I love the art. I love the story, and I definitely just, I definitely want more. And like you said, like you did want more right away, but at the same time, you didn't feel like gypped for not yeah. getting more right away too. Mm-hmm. I love the um. The first like 10 pages or so like the whole book is good mm-hmm. but that that opening the whole setup yeah. to to him finding you know the the stuff inside the house to you know things going wrong it just it really really jump-started the whole thing and and talk about like a comic that just throws you right into the situation like you had no choice yeah you know you're stuck in in this situation that's mm-hmm. going on and then it just then it moves to the other timeline it's really really well thought out it's really good yeah and you said consistency of art between the two timelines yeah it also has a wonderful consistency of tone yes through the whole book and that's something i talk about a lot in reviews i write because that bothers me more than anything else when the tone is 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 not even the tone is perfectly even in this works great um it's it's a must buy book absolutely um steve your book of the week sir my book of the week um my book of the week was uh kind of has a little bit of a story quick story behind it um i i admitted this today on uh, on our website in my review but uh i've never actually read a x-men comic all the way through <gasps> ever <laughs> so i mean i don't know what kind of authority that makes me on x-men books doesn't matter no, no i know but you know some people i mean there might be people that have read this and they're like you know oh it's just you know it's whatever blah 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 but anyway my book is um number one of the wolverine and the x-men regenesis mm-hmm. uh pretty much what you have here is wolverine looking to uh with the aid of uh kitty pride and hank is looking to build his own school mm-hmm. uh it's the gene gray school and uh i really appreciated like the the humor of it in the beginning that he's actually walking with Xavier and Xavier's like, good luck. (laughs) You know, like I don't want anything to do with this. You're ready. See you later. Yeah. I got my own things to do. But anyway, as I've said, this was my first foray into anything X-Men in its entirety. And I really, really, I I love, I absolutely love the artwork of the book. Um, It's very, it's not, not, it's like cartoonish, it's a little anime, but not. Um, but what I really, really dug about the book was how playful it is. Um, the character interactions are fantastic. I love the premise. I love the idea that instead of going back and and taking like young Wolverine, young Cyclops, young Gene, like that's been done before. That you have all these people that are established that have been in combat. And have seen all these things that now we have another sect or another another school that's in charge of, you know, molding all of these new minds of of mutants coming to them because there's there's like a boom of mutants. 
you have enemies that are attending the school working with them and it just it makes for some really cool situations um i'm really enjoying i read about two and a half uh issues of it today i got about halfway through the third book and um just the whole the whole presentation of it i i really don't want to go into specifics because uh it's gonna ruin it for a lot of people but it's it's really fast-paced especially uh issue number two things blow up and uh i'm really enjoying it for my first you know for i know that there's other classic x-men there's huge arcs and huge stories that i'm missing but i'm i'm really i'm comfortable with this being my first you know for i think it's supposed to actually take place after the events of schism it is yeah yeah it's, the, the, the x-men are split now right there's the events of the uncanny x-men which mm-hmm. also restarted at one which is scott summers on hope island in san francisco i think it's called hope island um it's like the mutant sanctuary or whatever and then there's this book where um logan has decided to restart the school instead of scott wants to kind of fight for mutant kind and th- wants to st- do that war that Magno's been talking about since yeah. you know I was a baby reading yeah. X Men, and in the this event is Wolverine decides no I'm not I don't want to fight yeah and I want to start the school which is a cool twist yeah in itself and yeah. I've read the first issue and the first issue was very much uh, Logan is the like the leader of the school now so he has to and the the board of regents is coming to. Uh, see if the school is, you know, they can keep the school open yes. or not. Yeah. So he has to wear a suit and he's all, you know, and everything, yeah. everything's, it's one of these, everything's going wrong. You it's know? funny. It, it, no, it is yeah. funny. Yeah, yeah. And like Toad's the janitor, you know? Yeah. <laughs> um, That's good. Yeah. So it was simply, I, I, I connected more with the Uncanny X-Men book, mm-hmm. um, but it definitely has a, a, a good tone to it. It just wasn't, I guess it wasn't the tone I was looking for when, yeah. I, when, I, when I picked up the book. Yeah. Um, but as far as like what you should know, that says number one on it. You shouldn't have to know anything else. To right. That and that book. was, that was the yeah. thing was that when I, when I jumped, I mean, it was like when we did fantastic four mm-hmm. and I tried to jump in on fantastic four, number 600. Yeah. It was like, you know, Whoa. Oh, yeah. But with this, I mean, I, I do know the core characters. I know Kitty pride. Mm-hmm. I know beast. I know Wolverine. If yeah. you don't know Wolverine, you're, you're yeah. dead. Well, yeah. But, um, no, I just like I said, I love the playful nature of it. I love the humor. It kind of reminded me a little bit, not as like on point, but it definitely had shades of Avenging Spider-Man. It had little bits and pieces. Mm-hmm. Uh, there are some really cool characters that I've never even known existed. Um, there's this one character. I, I can't. His name is escaping me right now, but all he wants to do is just like break stuff. <laughs> he just wants to beat the crap out of everything. And he's so thrilled like like when he first arrived, he's all bummed out that he's at this new school, and he's like, "Oh, they transferred me. I don't want to be here. This sucks." And then everything goes wrong, and all hell breaks loose. And like the whole, all three issues, he's just having a ball and like cracking jokes left and right, smashing things up. And he's like, "I had no idea this was going to be so much fun." And meanwhile, <laughs> everything's going to shit. And this is his idea of a good time, right? Yeah, you know, and. uh it was really cool. It was it, I read a lot of stuff this week, but it was the it was the one thing that when I put it down that I was really like, wow, this is something that I can I can get into and I can finally finally after so much time start reading some X-Men stuff. Mm-hmm. And with all the gorgeous, they have really gorgeous ads for their other series like Uncanny X-Men, mm-hmm. The New Mutants, all this stuff. Mm-hmm, yeah. Seeing those ads has made me want to go and seek out those other th- mm. those other series and get more into the X Men as like we start to explore more books going to the whole talking comics thing. It's yeah. forcing me to get acquainted with these characters that everybody else loves 
And I'm just discovering my appreciation for them for real instead of just being like, oh, I think Wolverine's cool, so I'm going to like him. Now I actually get to watch him in action. And I love the perspective of seeing him a little bit toned down, a little bit more of like buttoned shirt and Mm -hmm. tie because he's got to put on the act. But he's still able to bring out the blades, mm-hmm. rip open the shirt, and and slice up some some people. Right. So, you know, I don't know. That was my favorite book of the week. I dug it. Nice. Awesome. Bob, what about you? Uh, also sort of a relaunch idea. It's issue two of The Defenders, which back in the 70s, Roy Thomas started as the non-team. Sort of stuck together at that point, the Submariner, the Hulk, and Doctor Strange to stop the world from being taken over. And they've had it a couple of times, never really went anywhere. And for some reason, they've decided this is how we reintroduce Doctor Strange into the Marvel Universe. So it's written by Matt Fraction and some really neat sort of evocative 70s sort of art by uh, Terry and Rachel Dodson. It's just fun. It is Mm -hmm. lighter in tone than most of what's in Marvel now. It, It is still in this Bendis universe that they're doing, but it's a little off in its own little corner. Old villains, we're, we're dealing with a villain here for, back from FF number 54, for goodness sakes, and his evil eye. <laughs> uh, and of course, he wants to just wipe the earth clean of everyone that's still on it, and you have to get bigger guys. The Hulk has been possessed. So we now have beyond our the core three, it's the Silver Surfer and Iron Fist, and the Red She-Hulk, which is, is there, are there spoiler alerts on Red She-Hulks no, at this no, point? No, okay, it, so. it's, you know, it's Betty Ross. And it's just really nicely done. It, it's a it's nice in tone. You, you get to see real characters, not just fighting and stomping and whatever. It's little bits of dialogue, and it's just nicely done. I I will say it probably won't succeed. This will be gone within a year. But in the meantime, it's a just a really good fun read. Yeah, I mean, we, he, talk, he talked about uh, Wolverine the X-Men, and also he mentioned Avenging Spider-Man. That's why I love Avenging Spider-Man so much, because it's just a blast to read it's not it's a comic book ass comic book you know it's like yeah, perfect, it's just perfect. meant to, it's meant to be yeah. fun it's meant to be cool um uh you know um it's meant to be fun and it, it's it's hilarious and you know and and the action is great and something that's nice to re- just read a book like mm-hmm. that i like the serious stuff but sometimes i just want to have a good time you know well, you want to have a pile when you're buying stuff in a given week mm-hmm. that there's that balance yeah and the old days, well, now the balance really seems to come from independent books and oddball things. Right, yeah. Where the mainstream books are well, it's all superheroes, mm-hmm. which is okay. I mean, yeah. I'm, I'm a big fan, but there needs to be, uh, in the old days, there were funny books. Yeah. That were just meant to be taken lightly. There were others that were giant epics all the time, and mm-hmm. we, we need that. Yeah. I totally, agree. I totally agree with you. I mean, I like, like, at Animal Man number five came out this week, and it's awesome, amazing, great book. Very, very serious, you know, very intense. So it was Swamp Thing, the Scott Snyder Swamp Thing. Sometimes I need a little bit of a, a breather from, from yes. that intensity, you know? And that's where those books come in. And I think that there's definitely still have a place. I just think that they get kind of sh- shoved under a little bit because people are so into this. We have to make comic books serious Serious. so people take them seriously, you yeah. know? And it doesn't always have to be like that. No, I, yeah. I, you know, I'm a firm believer in that. I know, I know, absolutely. Well, I think it's one of the reasons, you know, we were talking about Ed Brubaker before. He doesn't get the acclaim he does. He's in the comic world, he does. Yeah. But he's not coming to it from the outside, the way these TV and movie writers are, who right. have to tell the grand story. Yeah. And yeah. wreck everything that everyone else did before. Right. And it starts to get, uh, do we need event after event mm-hmm. after event? Can we take a breath? Right. Yeah. Hmm. I got you. 
Gotcha. So um, that's it for our book of the week yeah. segment. Um, we're going to go off the beaten path a little bit here. Yeah. S- Steve, I heard you pass me a note earlier. You yeah, I think, well, I, I just wanted to send, a, I'm going to do a shout out. Okay. And then I'm actually going to toss the beaten path over to Bob because I know that he's got something that he wants to talk about. Very I think nice. uh, I'm going to give it to him. But um, I was going to talk about something I think I might need a better grasp on it before we discuss it. But I do want to give a shout out in case anybody hasn't been reading it but was very curious about it. Um, Penguin Pain and Prejudice number four came out this past week. Yeah. Um, I just want to say something really quick about this series. If you haven't checked it out, um, you probably should because it's been good, but with issue number four, it got really good. Um, I think that the penguin is one of those Batman villains that people kind of write him off. They kind of think he's a little silly. Mm -hmm. He's a little, you know, he's not as tragic as they, they've tried to make him out to be in the past. Pain and Prejudice completely changes that and and really does show you how he tries to balance the uh, like philanthropist, gentlemanly ways about him in front of certain people, but then behind closed doors, he's plotting, he's trying to, you know, to take Gotham over the whole bit. Um, but they've really managed, uh, Greg Hurwitz has managed to craft a really, really good story for the Penguin. There's only one more issue left. And if it's as good as it has been with the final issue, it's going to be a really, really nice cap for a, you know, something that you can pick up in in a trade probably relatively soon. That is a very, very satisfying read. And I urge people that are uh, a fan of Batman to definitely check it out. It's really dark, really gritty, very emotional. And now it's getting pretty violent. Mm -hmm. So uh, I'm really, really digging it and very much looking forward to the final issue next month. That's an amazing cover. It's fantastic. The yeah. um the art is by Simon. How do you pronounce this? Uh, Kudransky. Simon Kudransky. And uh, yeah, that's a mouthful. I didn't like his artwork in uh, the past Detective Comics, though. He uh, oh, he, he was the he second did. half of that uh, book. Okay. His his Catwoman was uh, a little scary gotcha. for me. Um, but his artwork is perfect for uh for this series and uh it's it's really something i i definitely i strongly recommend it awesome so cool so bob you take over the path this week you got something for us okay no intro needed here but uh my introduction to what are my pick from the outside is i saw this movie uh it's called tomorrow drew and it turns out it's based on a graphic novel Uh, It was a series of comic strips from 2005. It actually won uh, the 2009 Prix de la Critique from the French Association of Cartoonists. (laughs) Uh, And the French certainly know. Uh, It's loosely based on Thomas Hardy's Far From the Madding Crowd, and it's about this young woman who leaves her small town as an ugly duckling, comes back as a sort of journalist, (laughs) into uh, this uh, rather odd little place that now has a writer's retreat and a whole bunch of people run by a very famous novelist, sort of a John Grisham, John LeClaire kind of crime suspense novelist. He and his wife are having issues. She's thrust in the middle of this whole situation. I don't want to go too far into this because you should read it and get its, yes. its things here. The art is really incredible. It's this odd mix of Will Eisner and Lynn Johnston, who does for better or worse in the newspaper still today. Um, can I just read something from this to Absolutely, sort of give Bob. people the uh, the flavor yeah. of this? It's your path, Bob. <laughs> it's my path, and it is sort of off the beaten one. Yeah. So, am I? How are my levels here? Because I need good. to. If you're need to, if you're right there, you're good. 
I'm right here. Okay, so we have one of the characters who's one of the writers um, retreating uh, in the retreat here, speaking of, of Tamara Drew. It's weird talking to her. You think she's coming on to you. She aims this scorching look and you're transfixed with lust. I- I'm not kidding, but she's kidding. It's as if she has an erotic stun gun and you're just target practice. <laughs> just her bit of fun, raising the hopes of old fatsos like me. Really insulting when I think about it. um she is uh at some levels very unlikable yes in her new situation in life she's had she had a as they put it a real honker of a nose that she's had (laughs) fixed and she's sort of trying to live up to that she's changed her look and changed her life Mm -hmm. and she's sort of all over the map and the book is slightly different than the movie is. Steve's seen the movie on my yeah, I recommendation. Watched it over the weekend. Oh, cool. And yeah. it is, it's still the same. It's actually one of these great things where the book translated well. It's Stephen Frears who did High Fidelity, Dangerous Liaisons, oh, wow. The Queen. Okay, I didn't know that. Um, and it is perfectly cast and perfectly toned to what this book was. He really went out of his hmm. way to get this right because it's a great little book. It is a The writing, the prose of this is perfect. Mm-hmm. And it is a lot of blocks of text. It's her columns. And it's in those columns you see what she really is. She really is someone just uh, searching for what's going on. And that's maybe her ideal version of herself. See, maybe I would have liked her a little bit more if I had gotten to read some of her articles, to give yep. her a little bit more clue as to who she was. Because mm-hmm. for the movie, for the seemed like for the first half of the movie that she was quite the minor character. That's here too. Okay. She comes in actually later in the book than in the movie. Um. She needs to understand herself. She needs to make some more mistakes. Mm-hmm. She made them before and assumed it was because of what she looked like. Mm, okay. And now she's making the same mistakes without that excuse anymore. And now it's sort of, oh, she makes one too many. Mm-hmm. Mm. And, and you know the one I'm talking about. Yes, I do. Yeah. And in the movie, that scene where Gross. that breakup is fixes it. Yes. And here it's a few other things. There are some other... Just sublime moments here. I'm gonna. I'll ramble on this for hours. So <laughs> it's truly let, hilarious let too. There it's are a, some really hilarious moments. It's a great, great movie. It is smart, funny, sexy, wonderful. The book is where it all comes from. There are shots in the film that come directly from this. Wow. Okay. Awesome. So can't recommend this too highly. That's great. I, I didn't know anything about that. So now it's it was good. I enjoy. I watched it with Nancy over the weekend. It was really good. Very nice. All right. So that's it for. We're gonna go back on the path now. Thank you for letting yeah. me lead everyone down the path. Hey, no yeah. problem. <laughs> Thank you, Bob. Uh, we're going to take a little break. We'll come right back with our topic of the week, which is our top five video games oh, yeah. of 2011. Video games? I was also at the tech about Monopoly. Oh, gee. <laughs> All right, we are back with our topic of the week, which is top five video games of 2011. Taking a little break from comic books for right now. This is, you know, geek culture in general. We want to kind of, and we all love video games. Well, Bob. Does not. I like Tank and Pong. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Tank. <laughs> I love Tank. Uh, but Steve, Stephanie, I all love video games, um, and yes. we want you guys to know us a little better. So we're going to talk about the stuff that we love and 
video games is pretty high on that list oh, of, yeah. of things. Oh, yeah. It really, um, really is. Yeah. So uh, we're going to do a top five list, and then we also do honorable mentions at the end of that list. Um, so let's start with our number five. Oh, and at the end, we're going to pick one Talking Comics game of the year. Um, is there a, is we're there gonna a try. formula for how we come up with this? Well, we're going to try. Hopefully, there'll be a game that's on all of our lists. Um, hopefully Hope, yeah, hopefully it'll be obvious. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So hopefully it'll be obvious. If it's not, then it's going to be an issue. It'll be right. arm wrestling. <laughs> yes. Arm wrestling for the top. I'm just going to hang up on Stephanie. That's where the really good podcast is going to fall apart. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Or or when we'll get great. Yes. <laughs> All right. Be. Some of our best family remixes were ar- big arguments. You're yeah. wrong. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yes. Big screaming match. Yes. yes. They also lasted two and a half hours, oh, yeah, which was long a problem. Podcasts. Um, all right, so Steve, your number five game of the year. My number five game of the year is bum ba ba bum Gears of War three. Whoa! Yeah. Uh oh. Mm. Now let me just let me just explain. I'm going to explain my my list uh, in general. Not the my picks. Behind your yeah, list? not my yes. picks. I, I just like comic books, just like movies. Um, I try to gauge my video games on what kind of like an emotional response that it evokes from me, how much fun I had, not necessarily if there were like technical issues, story issues or whatever. Cause in my opinion, the story uh, of Gears of War three, the campaign mode for me anyway, even though I did enjoy it, I did have a good time with it is ultimately forgettable. I've, I've already forgotten it. Mm-hmm. I, I only, I played it a week and a half ago and I I remember like little bits and pieces of it, but ultimately I I just I'm not going to retain it. However, I chose it as my uh, number five because, and this might be obvious to some people that have been following us on Twitter, but the times that we've had, even in the brief times that we've been playing the multiplayer together mm-hmm. on Xbox Live, have been some of the most fun hysterical times that I've had with video games for the entire year. And it was at the tail end of Mm -hmm. the year as well that I'm not really a multiplayer gamer. I'm more of a local Mm co-op kind of person. I don't really like talking to people on live, but when the three of us got together and we were doing horde mode and beast mode and we're screaming and yelling and <laughs> trying to figure out my microphone situation oh is embarrassing. God, yeah, mom! <laughs> um, like I said, emotional response. There are a lot of good games, excuse me, that I played, but Gears of War 3 was something that like I'll remember playing Gears of War 3 mm. because I've been playing it with you guys. And you know, not to get sappy or sentimental. <laughs> But the violins are out. Yeah. yeah, seriously. No, it was a lot of fun, and we've only scratched the surface. Like, we started doing that, um, the Rams... Uh, shadow. Yeah, yeah Rams Ram Shadow. Shadow. Yeah. We only did, like, not even a quarter of it so far, and it was so intense. It was really intense, It was yeah. like yeah. when we were screaming about the Berserkers and the Reavers. <laughs> like, that's what that campaign, that little campaign story download is yeah. all about. Yeah. It was instead of, like, starting you off nice, it was just like... Bah! Yeah, there was no slow buildup. <laughs> Right. Yeah. So, uh, so yeah, I, I figured that it was worthy of a spot. Absolutely. Seeing as how much fun that I've been having with it. So I gave it the number well, five. Very nice. Isn't that the key? It's the keyword here is it's a game. It yeah. should be yeah. fun. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yes. It was like, those experiences are great. That's like building your, your own story. Yeah. You know, we had our, we have our own little narrative that we built just playing the Yeah. And it involves games. lots of screaming. It does. <laughs> Reaver! Help me! <laughs> I'm down! No! Somebody revive me! 
Yeah. Come on. Hurry I'm up down. And <laughs> it's so Not good. Bad. All right, Stephanie, what's your number five? Um, my number five was Infamous Two. Oh. Um, yes. Mm. I had a lot of trouble deciding what my number five would be because pretty well my entire top five is pretty on par with games that I just really enjoyed this year. Um, but Infamous 2, I I've been so. looking forward to it for a long time. Um, are you guys familiar? Have you played the first and the I second? I am definitely not, Stephanie. Help can me I, out here. Can I tell oh. I mean, I'm not trying to, to, to poop on your parade. I did not like Infamous 2. But you'll yeah, poop on well, a parade nonetheless. Yeah. I don't I mean to poop on your opinion. parade, but I'm pooping on it anyway. No, I'm not yeah. gonna, I'm not gonna to go on it some I want to hear why she, why she loved it. Maybe she'll convince me. <laughs> I've played oh. it, Stephanie. I also really liked it, just so you know. Okay. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you for being on my side, Bobby. You're welcome. Here goes one of those fanboy remix things is yeah, about yeah. to start. I love it. <laughs> Steve. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> now, come on. Let's I hear it. Tell him. Tell him why. Yeah, tell me. Come on. All right. Well, now I feel like all my things that I had to say about it aren't just going to... Not going to live up to his expectations. But, <laughs> don't worry uh, about me. Don't this is, this worry is about time. me then. I don't know God. anything about it. Tell yeah. me what Tell it's Bob. about. <laughs> All right. So, um, I don't, Bobby, you've played the games. Uh, yes. I don't play a whole lot of games for the PS3. I'm much more inclined to play games for the Xbox. Mm -hmm. So, Infamous 2 was definitely one game that I had to pick up again. Um, I don't so much really like the story. Like, I couldn't care less about Cole and the shenanigans that he's getting into. Um, <laughs> but I really like the controls and I really like the powers. I mm -hmm. like what you can do. I like, um, like you can slide across power lines and you can slide on, um, oh, streetcar cables and stuff. You can, it's true. <laughs> and I just like the powers and it's just a lot of fun to play through. I mean, there's no real yeah, it's other a thing to get into. The, I couldn't care less about. It's just hmm. a lot of fun. Um, is it's it a, a super villain game? It's a, it's a super hero or super villain game. You can choose Karma. what you want to be. Oh. You, you can choose to either do the good stuff or the bad stuff. Um, it's an open world game, so there's a whole city that you kind of traverse around. Um, and the cool thing about it to me is that most open world games I, I find really tedious to get from one place to another. And in Infamous, it's super easy to get from one place to another. And it's fun. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And uh, I the the platforming stuff I, I find to be really cool. Like climbing up buildings and stuff. And the more powerful you get, the better it is to go around. Um, I actually like the story. I, I, I'm, I like the main character and I think it's a cool thing. Um, but no, I, I think it's a cool that's on your list, definitely. I like, I like them. I like him, like, and I like the story, but I mean, in the end, I just rather would play it. Like, even if the story was, I mean, the story's not bad. Don't get me wrong when I say I couldn't care less for it. Like, it's just, I mean, I would still play it even if it sucked. You're more interested in the, game, in the gameplay, though. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, yeah like, exactly. I, and, like, you get, like, the boosters to kind of glide around, and uh, yeah. it's just a lot of fun to sort of fly through the game, like, across the wires and mm -hmm. the missions, and yeah. I just really enjoyed it. Um, I, I, that's why I guess it's my number five. Like, I mean, it's not really anything other than the gameplay that really... Yeah gets it for me i like when you get when you get super powered up and you take on a whole bunch of enemies there's there was one uh, I have this really good memory from infamous too which is i was kind of i kind of ran to an alley to look for like a blast shard that one of the collectibles and there was a whole group of enemies there and they were just assaulting me and i was getting killed and i was running away i had no 
no energy left and I, I ran and the end of the alley there was like a, a electric box generator a generator and I, I zapped the power and I got my footing and I turned around and I was like now you're dead yeah. <laughs> I was like destroyed I was throwing cars at him and stuff you know yeah I, I, like, I like that aspect to it I just wish that things about the game that they promoted the game being were a little bit tighter like the whole hero villain aspect I wish that there was more uh, diversity yeah I mean that's the problem with the game it's very binary it's yeah. very this, it's, it's like either save this kitten yeah. or kill 300 people yeah, you know like, it's, it's kind of, the gray area yeah, yeah there's no gray area it's suppo- well, you're supposed to be able to have I mean they do give you a choice but the choices that they give you are really kind of mm-hmm. mediocre to set the tone of being a villain versus being a hero and also you, you, you are a villain but you're not really a villain because you're still trying to save this city you know um, it's just how you're going about it yeah um, but yeah no I, I think it's a good game I, I it's not on my top five but um, I, I think it's a really solid game but my number five is Batman Arkham City I was wait, wow. I was really curious to find out if Batman was going to make anybody's list um, you know it, I think it's tough with games especially even more than movies I feel like and Batman only came out in October so it's not like it came out a long time ago but <laughs> Ooh, that was a snort. <laughs> I don't know what that was. I love. Um, I feel like, especially with games, the farther we get away from games, a lot of time, the more we criticize them, the more time you have to think about them, the more you pick away at every little bit of it. And I feel like that's kind of happening. It was happening to me with Batman. I was just like, mm-hmm. I had finished so many other games since Batman because it, it gets really busy, obviously, in in the fall of video games. And I was kind of like, oh, was did I really love it that much? And then I just re- I remember back to sitting there. And I, I I you know I beat it in probably three like marathon sessions and I didn't want to put it down. I, I think it's a fantastic comic book story with a really great ending and a really ballsy ending. And there's no way you can deny that it has maybe the best hand-to-hand combat Absolutely. fighting system I think it's been in any game ever. And I'm talking mm-hmm. about like, I'm cool, like fighting games. In that, like, no, like, I agree like, with wow. that 100%. You know, the way it feels, it you feel like Batman. The only stuff in the game that bothers me is the stuff is some of the side mission stuff where I don't feel like Batman, but I don't have to do that stuff. Right. You know, and it's part of the game, but it's not part of the game you have to play. So I prefer to stick to main story with a little bit of the side mission stuff, but the main story itself was so good. The voice acting is is top notch. The the way it looks is amazing. Um, I don't play the challenge maps or anything like that, but um, it's it's really good stuff. So it's my number five. Very good. Well, some of the trailers I've seen, they put them on the DC movies at this yeah. point. It looks like a movie. Oh, yeah. It really has the, the yeah. depth of field and it yeah. really looks incredible. And the story's written by Paul Dini, who is you know, oh, a fantastic super. comic book yeah. writer. And yeah, and the anim- the animation level in the fights is, is really crazy. How many animations are in the fight, how many things you can do to the people you're fighting. Um, you got to hang out with, uh, like, next time you're like, we have a party or something, I got to throw that game in and have my friend Chris play it for you. You, your jaw will be on the floor. The things that he's done that I've watched him do, and that he's like, "Do you want to play?" I'm like, "Dude, no! Like, just keep doing what you're doing. Earn me those trophies and right. dazzle me because that's exactly what you're doing. He's a maniac." Wow, awesome! Yeah. So your number four, Steve. My number four. Uh, my number four is yet another game that uh, I believe all around was fantastic. But uh, like I said, I mentioned the local uh, multiplayer that mm-hmm. I really enjoy, and one of the games that I had the most fun with this year with uh, my friend that I just mentioned, uh, Chris Beller, was Portal 2. Mm-hmm. I thought it was a truly hilarious game. I loved the first one. I thought the second one just took everything about the first one and amplified it. Um, are we getting into to 
spoiler territory game I wouldn't was. get into too... No, I haven't played yeah, it. Yeah, I wouldn't get into spoilers. Right, 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 right. Yeah. Don't spoil it for me, please. What's the premise, though? The premise, you you want to... Yeah, I mean, it, it's okay. higher on my list than this. Uh, okay. So I'm also going to do later. But Portal... Um, it takes place in a, in a facility called Aperture Science, where you wake up. It's a first-person game. You wake up in a test chamber. You're you're part of like the scientific experiment. Um, you you wake up. This robotic voice over a loudspeaker tells you to get out of your cell, um, and you get this portal gun, which shoots a blue portal and an orange portal, and they connect to each other. And you basically it's a puzzle game. You have to solve mm-hmm. spatial puzzles with that, and that's basically what the first game was with a lot of ambient story stuff they threw in, which was a big surprise. Portal 2 takes place after the events of Portal 1. You wake up in an, it looks like a room and you're woken up by another robot. It opens with this crazy sequence where your whole like room, it basically moves like an elevator into a test chamber. Wow. Um, and then you're let out and it begins much the same way. This, this little ro- ro- robot wants to help you escape. Now you have to go past the boss you had to fight in the first game, and it starts out much like the first game does. It takes a giant twist at, at a certain point, which yeah. is great. Um, and basically, you get thrown into a situation where you're not in these chambers that are meant to be solved. You're just in this underground facility, yeah. and you have to kind of make your way through it. And, it. and it starts to involve other stuff. It involves like these gels, one that makes you run faster one that makes you jump higher yeah and one that when it's put on walls can you can put portals into it because only certain wall services can put portals into it mm. um but that, that's what it is and it, but the story that's built into it is just unbelievable yeah i mean it, it's just a fantastic i really game. enjoyed it i like I, I loved being able to the co the multiplayer the co-op mode was mm. phenomenal uh i absolutely loved sitting with my friends uh, i had two friends in particular that i was playing it with that it's a game that you play cooperatively, but you're also thinking in mm. tandem with another person, yeah. trying to solve the puzzle, solve it as quickly as possible because your pride is at stake. Yeah, <laughs> and I just I love that they it's it's what a sequel like like Infamous Two. I felt like Infamous Two was a little bit too much like Infamous One. Mm-hmm. But with Portal Two, they really evolved the they evolved the the function of the guns. Um, the the puzzles were um, I think a lot more fun mm-hmm. than the first one. The environments um, you went from being in like stale places to lush, uh, you know, foliage, and yeah, that's what I wanted. Mm-hmm. Like I wanted to see aperture in mm-hmm. ruin, yeah, and find out what happens when the outside world, you know, invades mm-hmm. the invades the building itself, and that's exactly what i got that mm. when i opened portal 2 and i was ready for a sequel to portal that it was everything that i wanted it to be and it even gave me a multiplayer that i could dive into that was mm. completely separate right from all the fun that i had in the single player mm-hmm. now i get to enjoy the game all over again with different puzzles with a friend yeah so and it has a, and the multiplayer ooh. has a story to it as well yeah that which too. is interesting yeah and it's funny Oh, it's the game it's is hilarious. Really, really, it's funny. like the funniest game, and it's the it's the it's the most clever game in both writing and mechanics that I've ever played. Yeah. So, um, Stephanie, you're Not number crazy. four. Um, I'm just gonna add in one second too about Portal. Like, I know some people when I was we were tweeting with a bunch of people who were talking to us about the show. They were like, "Why isn't Portal Two gonna be on your list?" And it's only because I haven't played it yet. <laughs> I'm sure oh. I would love it. All right. But well, now that, now that you've rationalized your list, tell us your um, number four. My number four is actually your number five, Bobby. So Batman Arkham City was on my list as well. Very nice. Um, is, is there anything you want to say about it? Oops. No. <laughs> Go ahead. 
um, amplify. Yes. <laughs> uh, basically, like, I just loved, like you said, the gameplay. I loved being able to the hand-to-hand combat. I loved the gadgets. Um, and I loved playing as Catwoman. Catwoman. I thought, yeah, like, playing as her, it was just, like, she was so fluid and, like, just so, like, bah, ha, cha, ha, kick, scratch, <laughs> meow, meow, meow. And it was just, like, the greatest thing ever. No, um, that description was the greatest thing ever. Yeah. That was amazing. <laughs> meow, 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 meow. <laughs> and then sidebar without spoiling anything because you know spoilers careful uh, like who the fuck wasn't in this game like it was like every single character that's ever been in batman yeah it's true um i won't say too much more on that bobby you mostly covered all of it but yeah meow, meow, meow. <laughs> awesome <laughs> all right, all right. That's it. <laughs> so my number four my number four is dead space two Ah, nice. Um, Dead Space is a game that came out way... It came out in January. It came out almost a year ago now. Um, and this is going to sound like a very odd comparison when I say what this game reminds me of. But in its in its fidelity of design reminds me very much of first-party uh, Nintendo games. Because they're... Now, not in tone, obviously, none mm. of the content. But they're, in my experience playing Dead Space 2, there was no frame rate issues. There was no pop-in. There was no... You know, going through anything, there was no um, glitches. The game is designed so tightly. The experience is packaged in such a way that you're never taken out of it by any technological means. And that's why I make a great Nintendo games because first part of Nintendo games always like they don't glitch. They're you know all they always have their design down perfectly. And that's what mm-hmm. Dead Space Two is to me. Um, it's a survival horror game. It's your uh, the events. It takes place after the events of Dead Space One, which was basically kind of an alien-like story. You go to an abandoned ship, and um, all hell is broken loose on this <laughs> ship. Um, and the thing about it is, you don't play a soldier; you play an engineer, and you're fighting with engineering um, equipment. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, plasma cutters and all these other things. That's very different. That's interesting. Yeah, and you have to dismember these. Well, they're basically like zombie-type creatures. Necromorphs. Necromorphs. Yeah. Yeah. Um, this takes place. You wake up. You've been you survive this first thing, but you're, but you've basically gone crazy. You wake up in a mental institution, um, and you're you're in a straitjacket, and but something is going wrong on the space station that you're on, and the mm. the thing that happened to you on the ship is happening again, but you're stuck in this straitjacket. Yeah. And the opening, like thirty seconds of the game, is one of the scariest things I've ever mm-hmm. seen in a game in my entire life. Yeah, you're strapped into this chair, and this doctor who's trying to help you turns into one of like the necromorphs right in front of you when you're caught into this thing and wow. it happens all like like you're seeing it um it, the, the game the, the the shooting is great um the, the the atmosphere and sound design are unbelievable the the game is sometimes difficult to play because it's so intense you know yeah but i found the story and its structure being structured around the like the the stages of grief um, to be really engaging and interesting. I love that this character had something shitty happen to them in the last game, and this game they're still affected by it. Yeah, like it's not like the game didn't happen. They're not just going up shooting everything else. And oh god, um, I I loved the game. The the, uh, the game just blew me away. Yeah, I um I played. I didn't get to. I, I really regret not finishing it because I think that had I finished it, that it would have been on my list. Mm-hmm. Um, but like I I played it back in like you know January February. Mm-hmm. And um, I just wanted to say that for for people that haven't explored the the Dead Space, um, everything that they've done so far from the first game, they have two uh, different movies mm-hmm. yeah. that accompany them. 
the the world that they've created like I, there, it's very few times that i'll actually go out of my way to look outside of a video game mm-hmm. to follow a video game yeah and the two the two companion movies that go with the uh in between the events of both of these games is just really really engaging very well written fantastic even the um the rail shooter for the Wii extraction extraction yeah was really cool Mm -hmm. um really scary for like a you know like a rail shooter just you know everything is obviously scripted when it pops out Mm -hmm. but Going through that the first time, like it was intense. Mm-hmm. Not not as intense as the you know one and two of Dead Space, but pretty pretty damn comparable. Yeah. But um, yeah. I mean, atmosphere, the sound, this audio quality of mm-hmm. those video games is phenomenal. Especially if you've got like a five point one surround sound system. Yeah. It scares the shit out yeah. of you. Yeah. There's like you know there's water dripping in the background, then you hear something like scuttle yeah. around the right side. Mm. You're like a, a creepy baby on the left side. You know, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It all works really great, and the, like I said, the design is perfect. It's just an experience. It's a full experience. Um. You know, I, I would, I couldn't. If you like scary, you have to like scary games to play it. Because if you don't like scary games, you can't play it. It's it's too scary. Yes. But um, I probably recommend it. Number yeah. four. When will they make the movie? It sounds like it. Should They've been be... talking about it for okay. a long time. I don't know what, when when they'll do it. But they'd have to get the right person. Well, yeah, obviously. Uh, number three. Steve. My number three is Naughty Dogs Uncharted Three. Mm. Yes, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I've not heard of this at all. Help me out here. Uncharted Three is kind of like it's the story of uh, Nathan Drake. Nathan Drake is a explorer. He's mm-hmm. kind of like um, like a young Indiana Jones. Yeah, I mean, yeah, like a like a thirty like year old Indiana Jones. Yeah, okay. yeah. he's got um, he's got you know a sidekick Sully. He's like a like the grizzled old uh, veteran of mm-hmm. of exploration. Um, the thing about Uncharted is, for me, I I was really against playing Uncharted, the first one, when it came out. I just It was one of those things where I was like, I heard that it was trying to be Tomb Raider, and even though Tomb Raider hadn't made a good game in God knows how long, yeah. I was still mm-hmm. kind of like, eh, I don't want to... Mm-hmm. I played the first Uncharted, and I was really, really impressed by it. The second one came out. That opening scene of the second game with the train cars, mm-hmm. holy crap. Yeah. That blew me away. You wake up in a in a train car, but the train car is hanging off the side of a mountain. It's a good beginning, and you have yeah. to climb up. And, and, and yeah. Yeah. yeah, so it, yeah, it's 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 ridiculous. But the third game, it just it builds on. I love the character relationships mm. in Uncharted. Um, I think out of out of a lot of the video games, maybe any video games, that their script for the Uncharted games, you really really feel like the 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 battle that these characters are going through there's i'm not gonna this isn't spoiling anything mm-hmm. but like there's a moment between um drake and uh what's elaine i think elena, elena? Yeah, yeah where they're having a conversation like it's like a, like a down period in the mm-hmm. game where they're kind of like trying to catch their breath and they're talking about the consequences of their actions and drake apologizes to elena for something that he's done and in that moment, I really like. I felt like I was watching a really, really good film. Mm-hmm. And these were characters that I've watched, you know, mature and build. And it's not like they just throw them together. Like you mm-hmm. have the history of them working together, sure. saving each other's lives, um, solving mysteries, doing all kinds of things together. Um, the action is one of those things with Nathan Drake that, like we've discussed it before, that. It almost feels kind of weird 
shooting a gun when yeah. you're Nathan Drake because the other aspects of the game are so much more engaging than the combat. But the combat has never been. I thought the combat was better in the second game than it was in the third. Me game. Me too. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, but it never as as much like there were parts in the combat. There's um there's a part where you're you're in the water in a um like a like a gas factory harbor something mm -hmm. like that. And so many people online were complaining about this portion of the game, saying that it was unwieldy, that it was buggy, and, you know, it mm. was all kinds of crap. I think that the high point of the game was that moment for me, because I was bobbing and weaving. It was ridiculous. <laughs> I stayed in the water the whole time and pretty much did the whole dunk underneath, crawl to the next uh, pier pop my head up, you know, pop, pop, shoot guy, you know, off in the distance. Yeah. <laughs> pop, pop. And just like, it was, it was so much fun. Mm -hmm. Stuff's blowing up around me. That's mm -hmm. that part where you're climbing on the uh, ocean liner and they pull that camera yeah, back. You, you climb on the side of the ocean liner and the camera pulls yeah. like, it's, it basically looks like an aerial shot in a movie. Okay. So you're just yeah. little on this huge liner, like crawling across it. It's a great yeah. moment. Yeah. Like as uh. great as great as some video games are, there are very and and games have gotten very cinematic. Mm. But there are very few games, if any at all, that do it as well as Uncharted, where you're actually in the game participating. Mm -hmm. And they'll show you something that literally you you stop playing for a minute yeah. just to kind of sit back and appreciate mm -hmm. what they've created and what you're doing. And whenever I play an Uncharted game, I'm constantly saying to myself, I'm thinking of like Atari and mm -hmm. Nintendo and just how far we've come. Mm -hmm. That you know, it used to have little eight bit, sixteen bit blocks, and now we, we've yeah, we've got. You can see expanses of entire cities, yeah, and you can go if you can see it, you can go to it, yeah. And it's just the the market squares, and I'm just last thing, the market square in that game, the when you're running through that, everything's all confusing, everybody's mm. shooting at you, things are blowing up off of the the countertops. Mm. So, so engaging, so awesome. And uh, once the game really got going, I could not put it down. Mm. And uh, it's a game that I would I would play over again. Uh, you are right. There, what, what Uncharted does well, nobody does better than them. They understand story and spectacle and character better than anyone. Um, Nathan Drake feels like a real character, feels like a real person. But that's my main problem with the game is that when I'm shooting a gun, I hate it. <laughs> you know, I, I just don't like the combat. One, because I don't think it's, there's too much shooting for it not to be tighter than it is. Mm -hmm. The other problem uh. is, I don't want to kill people as Nathan Drake. He's, 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 like, he's, a norm, he's like Indiana Jones. Like maybe he kills one, two people in his life. You know, Nathan Drake has killed six million pirates yeah. in his life. <laughs> yeah. And he acts like there's no problem. And the problem with it, now in games past, that's fine because the characters in it don't feel like real people. But if you want to make a convincing narrative, Mm -hmm. With a character, he can't also murder a billion people, right? Or there's a, there's too much of a disconnect for for me anyway, because I'm so invested in the story, right? You know, I like I like the the traversal aspect of it, and I like the puzzle solving, but when I'm shooting a gun, except for certain situations, right? It just does not it does not fly for me. Well, to counter that, just really quick before we move on to the next mm -hmm. one about the combat, <laughs> something that I do love about the combat is that with other shooters, with other games, like when we're playing Gears of War. You have to soak enemies with bullets. Mm -hmm. Like you gotta lay into them. Almost an entire clip, maybe even a clip and a half. Yeah. There with Uncharted as unwieldy as the combat is, um, I am a huge fan of the handgun. 
I always have mm-hmm. the handgun. In every Uncharted game, they give you, you know, shotguns and, mm-hmm. and machine guns. I always have the handgun. And I've gotten so good with it that I can, like, I can see my shots before I've even popped up. And it's one of the few games that if I can see my shot, mm-hmm. that I can literally pop up knock off three bullets i know that they're gonna get them in the head Mm -hmm. and i could duck right back down and Mm -hmm. it's just it's very sneaky and very just like ha ha and (laughs) you know shoot him get back down see a guy coming around the corner loop around the corner get him with the shotgun go back to my spot Mm -hmm. do another guy with the handgun and i mean yeah there are times when the combat takes you out of the character but there are moments when it's a lot of fun. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I, I really, I loved the game. I've just, just that was one aspect, but I didn't really dig. Uh, Stephanie, you're number three. I was going to say, holy moly, it's the Uncharted show here. <laughs> <laughs> um, so my number three is Assassin's Creed Revelations. Um, wow. I honestly expected this game to be a lot higher up on my list. Um, and it's mostly here because of the amazing graphics and just the amazing bah, it's such a visual treat <laughs> um i hated how the game ended and i hated the side like a lot of the sort of side mission stuff and stuff with desmond i don't know if you guys are familiar with the assassin's creed franchise at all i played i am i played the second one i got no tired man. of it after a while I really love the franchise, and I had really high hopes for this game. The trailers were outstanding. Um, I've loved every game thus far. I feel like they just kept improving and improving and improving, and then I felt like just things did not add up in this game. Desmond's story was just shit. They didn't tell us anything (laughs) that went on, Um, and the whole thing just really wrapped up poorly. But And this is your third favorite game of the year? (laughs) It seemed yeah. like a lot of caveats I, for number yeah, three. I know. I'm just getting the things out of the way that I didn't like about the okay. game. Okay, okay. Yeah, but I mean, the weapons. The weapons are fantastic. Um, You've got this sort of, uh, I guess like a hook blade now, where you can kind of zip line across like huge portions of the game really quickly. Um, What else was new? It's Constantinople, right? Yes, mm-hmm. yeah. Istanbul. Um, no, no. There's not a whole lot <laughs> I new, you would I think, sing. as far as... Oh, sorry, go ahead. No, no, no. no, no we're ringing for Bob, a song. Bob wanted me to sing, but it's not going to happen right now. Okay, go ahead. Okay. Sorry. Um, sorry. That's okay. I don't think there's a whole lot new as far as, like, notable weapons, aside from maybe the hook blade, but mm-hmm. it was just a lot of fun to play through. Um, Ezio, it's like the last game for Ezio and Altair, the initial assassins, mm-hmm. and um, Ezio, it's kind of neat, like... Etsy is a lot older now, and um, he you can tell that he's aged. Like, um, his movements aren't quite as fluid, and, um, cool. like, they've just noted, like, he's still really easy to play with on, you know, on the Xbox. I play <laughs> Assassin's Creed on Xbox. Um, and But there's still noticeable differences. Like, they've aged him, and that's kind of neat. It's kind of a yes. pain in that ass after you've played through <laughs> like the last couple of games with him and he's like ha 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 i'm climbing a building i'm climbing a building and now he's kind of like ha 
I'm going. He's got to oil his joints before he climbs up that scaffold. I'm going to take a nap. Get yeah. back to you later. Oh, oh, oh I'm just going to. Oh, oh, I'm climbing. I'm climbing. Pulls like, his it's... back out during combat. Yeah. Oh, hang on. Oh, oh, something. My back's hurting. Yeah. Oh, God. Oh, God. It's um, the But I mean, that's, I think, one of the things that's actually a good quality about the game. As mm -hmm. much of. Like, it's kind of annoying at times. It's also really neat that they actually went into that much detail to kind of, I mean, if they actually did mean to do this. I mean, maybe the gameplay just, You're just imagining and I'm it? like, yeah. this is so awesome. I would hope that it was on purpose. Yeah. Um, but I think that it's really great that they went into that much detail to evolve the character like that. And um, if for no other reason, you should definitely check out the game for, like, the graphics. I mean, they're just... Yeah, beautiful. Well, it's a beautiful, beautiful, beautiful game. It feels like you're playing a cutscene from like Final Fantasy or something. Yeah. Like, one aspect of the of the Assassin's Creed games. I mean, I said I said earlier that I got tired of them. The one thing that I never ever tire of with those games are the cities and the landscapes mm -hmm. in which those games take place. They really go out of their way to get it as accurate as possible, yeah. and the cities do feel alive. And it's also it's another one of those games where if you see it, you can go to it. Yeah. You know, yeah. and you can you can get to it however you want. Mm -hmm. So in that respect, I think they're a lot of fun. Yeah, the first game takes Bob. Just so you know, the first mm -hmm. game takes place in the Crusades era, like Jerusalem area. Um, the second game takes place um, in uh, Renaissance Italy, and this game takes place in Constantinople. So same lead characters, uh, different lead character in the um, first one. Uh, lead, same lead character in the last three, though. Yeah, yeah, yeah. and you get to play like the first game was. Um, an assassin named Altair, and um, it also there's also a modern story as well. Oh. Um, I don't want to get into it because it's kind of hard to explain if you haven't yeah. played it's... the games. But there's a bunch of different characters, and in the third one, you get to play as all of them. Mm. Hmm. Ah, is there going to be a fourth or this? Well, it's now what we call there... Assassin's Creed Three because it was Assassin's yeah. Creed Two, Assassin's Creed Brotherhood, Assassin's Creed Revelations. Now we'll do it three. <laughs> Yeah, welcome to video games. Yes, new, new assassins. Yeah, nice. And there's a bunch of really cool sites that are speculating who that assassin will be because uh, one of the limited edition things with the collector set that I got um, was an encyclopedia, and I haven't actually looked through it yet to be honest. But it's apparently, <laughs> um, it hints at a possible Chinese character assassin for the next game. Interesting. Hmm. All right. Hmm. So number three, Assassin's Creed Revelations for you. Yes. Um, my number three is Deus Ex Human Revolution. Oh, I didn't get to play that. Um, Go for it. It's a, it's a prequel to uh, Deus Ex, which is a seminal uh, game in video game history. I never played it <laughs> because I, was, I didn't play PC games ever in my life, so I didn't play that game. <laughs> but... Um, this game basically follows a character named Adam Jensen who gets into a horrible accident. He's a cop um, and he gets his body repaired by nano machines. Now he's kind of part human, part machine. Um, the story is in a kind of a cyberpunk future. Uh, feels a little bit like Blade Runner in, in some mm -hmm. ways in the atmosphere. Uh, it starts in Detroit. We also go to Shanghai and go to Montreal. Those are the three locations. Um, it's kind of a semi-open world game. Um, it's the, but the more of the choices come in the fact in your combat situations, and this is why I love it because um, every time you attack a situation, you, you have you have full freedom to spec out your character. If you want to, you can either go in stealth 
or you can go in guns a blazing, or you can do a little mixture of both. Um, any situation you walk into, there's always more than one way to solve it. So it's almost like a combat puzzle in a way. Like you can either, there's obviously the obvious way, walk right through, shoot, mm-hmm. shoot. But if you're not really powered up, you're probably going to get killed a couple of times yeah. trying to do that. Um, but maybe there's a vent off to the right and you open up that vent, you can crawl through the vent and get and get into another room and then from that room you can sneak down you can you know maybe you use a tranquilizer dart instead of a gun so nobody hears you you can drag the body into into the into the, into the guards room and shut the door so nobody finds it um as you love your character too there are other ways to go about things so some walls have structural weaknesses and you can punch through them and which can also create different ways in and out um there's a way that there's an upgrade you can get that takes away all fall damage so if you jump from a building Normally you die, but it's they think called the Icarus landing system, where you come down and, and it puts you down softly on, on the ground so you don't die. Yeah, um, that, thanks for telling me about that. You're it's welcome. Me a couple times, yeah. <laughs> especially in Shanghai. If you don't have it in Shanghai, it's trouble. Um, and and a whole ton of other upgrades. Um, but and, and there's the computers you can hack, and it's another way to get through things. You hack a computer, you unlock a different door. You know, you you, you hack an electronic lock. Um, also conversationally you can talk to people like you have to get into a police station at one point now you have to get in there no matter what you know the guy at the front desk he used to work with you when you were a cop if you can talk him into letting you in you can just walk in you have free range of the police station if you can't manage to talk him into it you have to find another way to the police yeah. station you have to sneak around if people, people find you they'll try to arrest you they'll try to you know you know. Yeah. sounds um, like you could play this game a number of times if you decided to I'll change what I did here yes. and play this another way yeah and there's three different endings um, I, I found it wow. to be incredibly engaging uh, um, an RPG with action elements which is kind of my favorite sort of sort of genre um, beautiful looking game I had a ton of fun with it and it was one of the games I just couldn't put down I, I played it one day I played it for like eight hours straight so um, I totally dug it I and it has a great style so I definitely recommend and, and a very engaging story in my in I my really book. wish that I'd picked that up instead of rage because rage was terrible I'm sorry I'm oh sorry. I played both I mean I liked Deus Ex a lot but I didn't love it like I found by the end of it I was just like I just want to be done with this. Oh my gosh, just going on and on and on. Like every time I thought the story would end, it would start up again. It was like I that movie that. Australia. Like it was like <laughs> it ended and then oh nope. It's it's still going. So I don't know. I, I liked it. I liked she's the pooping, she's pooping on the game. Pooping on my parade right now. I'm sorry. <laughs> Steve pooped on my parade. Yeah, yes. well, then poop on one of Steve's parades then. God. Poop on mine. You can't Steve. poop on my game. I'm You're sorry. number two. I liked the game, and my it was two, definitely a lot more helpful once you gave me that um, site where I could check out the upgrades. Yes, that is one of the uh, one of the downfalls of the game is that they don't really explain to the upgrade system very well. Uh, so you can upgrade things that maybe you don't really need, oh. and that's a little bit of an issue. Um, so that, that sucks, but anyway... Yeah, um, that was a bummer. But yeah. other than that, I mean, it was a good game. I just didn't love it. That's all. Gotcha. Well, number two, Steve. Speaking of games where you need a little bit of guidance oh, in order know, to play, I know what your game you're going to talk about. My number two game would have been my number one game, but I'm gonna I'm gonna have it be my number two. Is Dark Souls. Bobby makes face. Got, you just I'm, I got so much stress. You're just saying the name of the game. <laughs> Dark Souls <laughs> to me is the I just. I love the fact that these games, if you haven't played it, uh, Demon's Souls, this is the sequel to Demon's Souls. It's essentially the same game. You can play either one without having played the other, and it doesn't matter. Everybody talks about how difficult uh, Dark Souls is. Now, it is difficult, 
But it's difficult in a sense of that. I believe that as gamers uh, today, all the games that come out, that there's entirely too much hand-holding that goes on. You know, the camera pans over and shows you the path. Here's the door where you're supposed to go. Here's the glowing gun that you're supposed to pick up to defeat this, you know, this section of the game. With Dark Souls, there is none of that whatsoever. It is literally starts you off with like rags. You're you're already dead when they start you (laughs) off. Mm -hmm. So, you know, you pretty much got nowhere to go. I used I, I tell people they say, well, what's it like? I say it's a stick and a prayer. They, they give you a little stick, and they tell you to go out and conquer all of these beasts that are roaming this hellish land, and it is so absolutely rewarding if you can stick with it, if you have the patience, and if you have the, the tenacity I don't have either of those to <laughs> die over and over and over and over again. I was actually keeping a log of, of how I was dying and how many times. And after about like 40-something deaths, I just gave up because it was just ridiculous. Yeah, see, no. But, <laughs> but Here comes some poop. I, mean, I can no, but smell like, it coming. I mean, you can start like a three-year blog on all the times you died in like a video game. Yeah. I, I don't know. No, like but it's... daily blog. It's that dying. It's that dying that makes me want to play it that much more. I mean, you go from... from having like i said like rags on your on your shoulders and on your waist and a, and literally like a broken axe that's already been split it's going to it's going to break after so many hits but eventually if you keep going there's no like road signs to tell you where to go you just have to explore and most likely you're going to run into a boss and you've got to strategize you've got to go back if you're dead you lose everything you have to plan it's a huge it's a thinker's game and there's one thing from going from having a stick and nothing to all of a sudden defeating a boss, uh, there's this giant fire spider called Quilag that I actually, I killed it. I walked up to it. This is not something that they tell you. You have to figure this out. I walked up to it and I ripped off its leg. I set the leg on fire and I actually fashioned it into a sword. And I was running around with this gigantic spider's leg on fire for more than half the game, just like cutting swaths through enemies. And I love the idea of being defeated by something that would be considered a minion in any other game, like just these scraggly little skeleton characters that in the beginning, they're such a threat and they beat the crap out of you and you die over and over again, but then you come back and you just, you slaughter them all and you get cocky and you're like, oh, my character's a badass now, blah, blah, blah. But then you forget that if you get like four, five, six of them to come up to you, you could be a level 86 pyromancer, badass. My sword is bigger than I am in that game. I got heavy armor. They can kick the shit out of you if you're not paying attention. So in respect to the game, just you can get as far as you want and you will still be, there's still threats around every turn. Every battle is is a chance for you to die. And I love, I absolutely, I I. Just I I relish the difficulty of the game. I think it's fantastic. Something that games are lacking, and I enjoy getting the shit kicked out of me in that game. It's very it's very sadomasochist, but it's good. So I love that you just said 
chance to die. Yeah. Like it was almost like a good thing. Like I can't wait to die this time. So I, I can love put it in my I, logbook. It's not that I like dying in the game, but the thing is, is that with every death, like every death is your own death. It's not like something came along. Like you, it's all your fault if you die in that game. It's not like something cheap <laughs> happened and you're like, oh my god, that sucked. Blah, blah, blah. Like if you die in that game, it's because you weren't paying attention. You weren't blocking. You were too close to the cliff edge. You were trying to use magic when you should have been a few steps, uh, you know, away from them before you decided to cast because it takes forever in a day. But it's just you really, really have to be on your feet throughout the whole game. There's no point where you can relax in that game. And I love that. Okay, so I knew this was going to be on your list, so I borrowed it from you so I could play a couple hours of it just so I could have an idea of what it was. And... Here's the thing about it. I agree with you on a lot of your points, what you're saying. Um, and I think that people saying it's hard, it is hard, but it's not, it's, it's tough to think. It's, it's, it's only hard because you're playing it in a, if you play it in a way like other games, if you're trying to play like other games, it's very hard. You can't play it like other games. So if you, if you, if you buy into its ethos and you play the way you're supposed to play, it's not, it's not, I don't think it's any more difficult in their game. What makes it difficult, and this is what I don't like about it, right? This is what I don't like about it, okay? Uh, is that um, the whole system of like, okay, so I, I, I go to a bonfire, which is like the checkpoint system, and it respawns all the enemies. That's fine, whatever. If it didn't do that, it would, wouldn't be the game that it is, right? Right. Um, and would allow you to, it's also beneficial in some aspects for that to happen. Yeah. Because you can farm souls, which are kind of like currency it's in that necessary. game. Yeah. Um, but... Some of I don't like one of the things I didn't like about the design of the game is that I don't like that the bond like some of the bonfires are like an hour away from a boss. Yeah. So this, oh. this is the, this is what I, what I what I want to say, and this is my problem with it is that I understand this is the this is the, the design of the game. This is how people want to play this game. I understand that it's, none of it's none of it's an accident. It's not poor design. It's the way it's designed. I have no patience for it. Like I can't play a game for three hours and get nowhere. I don't have the time. You know yeah. what I mean? Like, and that's why I, I that's why I couldn't take it. I will say this though: the combat system is excellent, and I would if that combat system was in Skyrim, uh, th I think that game would be exponentially better. I, I soaked over a hundred hours into this game. Just, I know you did. Yeah. I know Whoa. that you love it. I yeah. know that you. And I'm just yeah. saying, for me, I just don't have like the time to get through it. You know what I mean? Yeah. But I'm glad I picked up and played it because I I see the hook you know i see the when i finally beat something that i couldn't beat i it was it felt like a, it felt good yeah you know it's just it's just that whole like the time thing i just can't do i just it, but. love that like something could kick the crap out of you near 60 times like literally mm. 60 times i'm not like you know i not, know you're not yeah. yeah and but then there'll be that one time where you either you get a weapon or you just you think to like take off the armor the armor's making you heavy. Mm. Let's see if I can, I can, I know I can dodge. Mm. So let me take off my armor, run in there and see what I can do. And it took you 60 deaths just to realize that if you had just lightened your load by a couple of points by taking mm. off some of your armor, that you now have more maneuverability. Mm. You just slice through this thing. <laughs> and it's so rewarding to think that like there was nothing telling you to do that. Right. You had to come up with that on your own. And it was something born out of, desperation because you're about to pull your hair out mm. <laughs> but also that i i crave that vengeance and that 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 revenge like when, when something i crave yeah vengeance. seriously like i still haven't I, i'll say this i still haven't beaten the game i am literally at a bonfire right outside the door of the final boss 
and I have not beaten him yet simply because I don't want the game to be over. Okay. So, all right, seven, you're number two. <laughs> okay, so this one's also been mentioned already, but uh, Gears of War 3. Um, I've been playing the game since pretty well day one. Uh, Gears of War 1 was the first... I guess it doesn't have to be Gears of War 1 specifically. <laughs> Anyways, whatever. Um, I've been playing them since they pretty well came out. Uh, it was probably my first Xbox game, or one of the first. And, I mean, like you said, Steve, the stories aren't necessarily, like, awesome, but the game plays a lot of fun, and I lost months and months of my life to <laughs> online play for the first Gears of War, mm-hmm. um, which... I didn't actually play Gears of War 2 online that much, but um, in Gears of War 3, you guys know I have been playing the multiplayer. <laughs> yes, Help yes. me! Oh my god, guys! Oh my god! Uh, but yeah, like, I mean, I like the story a lot more than I think Steve does. Um, oh, I still like it. I just think it's forgettable. Um, I would disagree with that, but I think that's maybe because I love the series as a whole maybe that's more cool. than you. I don't know. This um, is competition. I know. I love it more. No, it's God. all good. No, I'm glad you like it. I like it too. I just, I just don't. It doesn't stick with me. That's all. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah, no, no, I understand that. But I mean, I really enjoyed the story. I loved the gameplay. Um, it's one of the few franchises that, for me, has been consistent through the whole series. Um, the weapons are good. I mean, like you said, it kind of gets a bit ridiculous when. It takes an entire clip to like kill one or of the seventeen locusts. clips to take down a berserker. Um, but I mean, <laughs> after a while, there's sort of, I guess, I don't know. The multiplayer is definitely the strongest part of the game. So mm-hmm. I mean, if you don't have Xbox Live to play with your friends and online, the game's not going to be as good. But no, you're completely missing out if you don't yeah. check out the multiplayer. So I mean, I won't talk about it too much more because. You know, we talk about it all the time, but multiplayer. <laughs> it's got one of the best, I think, fully featured packages of any game that came out this year, though. Yeah, you're definitely yeah. getting your money's worth. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so my number two. Yes. Yes. My number two is my only downloadable game on my list. My number two is a game called Bastion. Yay. That came out on Xbox Live. Um, it is in the style of kind of a 16-bit um, action RPG, like a secret of mana, um, type of look to it. Um, it's, but all the, all the art is hand drawn. It's not pixel art. It's beautiful HD yeah. art. It's just, it's kind of looks like that kind of style. Um, it's, it's the, the hook of the game is there's a narrator speaking as, as you move and he dynamically speaks to you about your actions as you do them. So let, let's say you walk into a room and you start destroying all these like vases or these you know, structures in the room. You don't have to do that, but if you start doing it, then it'll be like, "Kid was so angry, decided to destroy everything in the room." Yeah, you know, <laughs> um, now it gets on going. You know, it's Left one of the, a few boxes though. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> um, and uh, that stuff is great. What is most impressive about the game to me, and this real quick because we're running very long, um, is that um, there is an emotional affecting story in a game that doesn't have realistic graphics. It doesn't have, in fact, you're above your characters almost at all points. You're looking down on your characters almost at all points. Mm-hmm. Um, 
the the narrative plays out in such a way that I felt for the characters in the story, and I never got to really hear them speak except for you know the the narrator who narrates everything. Love that voice. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> um, He's a cool cat. Also, the combat is excellent, tight. The weapons are diff uh, are are varied and have a, a set of upgrades. There's also a set of challenge rooms that are very fun to play, um, and the music is also great yes yeah, I, have a qu- I have a quick question yeah. about the combat actually because that was my only my only issue with the game because i've been playing it too mm-hmm. and i love it it's fantastic mm-hmm. um but i find maybe i'm doing something wrong but the targeting of the of the weapons it seems like it just goes wherever it wants to go is there a way to actually choose or lock on to characters yeah yeah How? i mean i'll have to sit down with you because it's tough okay. for me to like Think about it, you know. Uh, All right, well, before we leave, yeah, uh, absolutely. pop it on real absolutely. quick. Um, it's just a, one of the best overall experiences I've played, and for $15, it, yeah. it, it's amazing. It's a fully, it's a full-length game, and it's $15. And there's downloadable mm-hmm. content that's only 80 points. Yeah, it's only a dollar. It's free everywhere else except for an Xbox Live, because Microsoft doesn't let people give away things away for free. Figures. <laughs> yeah. Um, but anyway, that's my number two, Bastion. Right. You, if you have an Xbox, Xbox Live, you have to check it out. All right, let's knock out these number ones because we are running long. Yeah. All right. My number one game, kind of predictable, but I'm going to do it anyway because it's (laughs) very, very close to my heart. But I was absolutely so excited when they announced and released the Ico and Shadow of the Colossus HD collection this year. Uh, I know that it's an old game, but it was released this year, so list. it counts. It's your list. Mm-hmm. It, mm-hmm. Yes. If you want to put a game that was already made on your new list, well, it's fine. <laughs> oh. <laughs> all right. Well, all right. Um, Ico, I'm not going to spend so much time talking about Ico. Ico is uh, pretty much a, the story of a young boy and a young woman who it's a, it's a co-op game in a sense of that you have to, it's two friends going off on an adventure together and it's a working in tandem with one another, holding hands, helping each other up onto ledges, defeating, uh, but there are these shadow enemies that spawn from the ground and they try to pull her into the unknown and you have to like bat them away. It's a very Mm. like rudimentary combat. Mm -hmm. Um, it's the simplicity of it that I absolutely love. But, um, one of my favorite games of all time, if not my favorite game of all time is shadow of the Colossus. Now, the reason that I decided to make this my number one is because if it was just Shadow of the Colossus like I remembered, I wouldn't have done that. But the HD quality, the graphics, they really, really, really did a nice job of cleaning this game up. It looks different from the original, and I played the original to death, so I know what it looks like. This version of it looks so clean that if you've never played the original before, like this is the way to do it. Anybody that hasn't played Shadow of the Colossus, you need to pick up this collection. It's only 40 bucks for both games. They look absolutely phenomenal. But with Shadow of the Colossus, it's the audio that got me and that got the game to my top spot because the audio is just absolutely unreal. They really take advantage of the 5.1 surround sound. I sat right in the dead center of my of my room, and I'd actually been playing Alice Madness for about five hours and just got completely fed up and decided that I wanted to <laughs> kill uh, the one of these colossi. That's the the premise of the game, is that you're having to defeat, I think, these like 15, or 15 to 18 different colossi. Now, what's unique about this game is that there are no enemies uh, you pretty much, you gallop around on a horse, you hold up your sword, and the sun shines through your sword and basically points the way towards your next destination. Now, the amazing thing about this game is that 
you don't necessarily know you sometimes you see the colossi sometimes you don't that there's a moment in the game where you're actually climbing up what you believe to be a mountainside you're you know you're traversing all these different ledges and all these different grassy look like grassy lands and stuff like mm-hmm. that and then all of a sudden beneath your feet the ground starts to rumble and things start to break away and you're left sitting sitting there like what the hell is going on mm-hmm. and then you realize that for the past 10 minutes that you've actually been climbing on the back of the very, very thing nice. that you're looking to slay and each time that you slay one of these colossi you're actually being poisoned with the the gift that you're bestowing onto this princess that you're trying to save that it's actually as you're trying to save the one you love it's corrupting you and it's killing you and i just i love i love that aspect of the storytelling i love that there are no enemies there are no distractions there's nothing to hamper you from getting to the next it's like 18 giant boss fights Mm -hmm. with no distractions and it's just an awe-inspiring game each colossi is different there's a different way to defeat it, and um, I just I I love it. It's always fascinated me, and the HD collection was more than what I could ask for in, in my favorite game being brought back into the spotlight, and it deserves my number one spot. Awesome, great, good job, Stephanie. You're number one. I have a feeling this might be yours, but I'm not sure. Um, so my number one game is also very predictable, although I think a lot more predictable than possibly Steve's. <laughs> um, Skyrim. Ah, uh, uh, not my number one. No? no, I thought maybe it would be because no. you hadn't mentioned it yet. Wasn't even on your list. Really Wasn't even on my it. list. Woo. I did really enjoy it. It's, come on, calm down, everybody. Yeah. Stephanie, um, tell us why you love Skyrim. Well, I only got it like just before Christmas, like a couple days before Christmas. So I mean, the hype's still really there for me. Still, mm-hmm. I know a lot of people have kind of moved on from it, but uh, nope, I'm still, I'm still at it. <laughs> um, it's still pretty fresh in my mind and. I mean, I haven't actually played the Elder Scroll games before, really. Like, I played a little bit of Oblivion, but I haven't followed the series like some of these devout fans. And um, I guess, like, for me, I played Fallout, and I find the style of Skyrim a lot like Fallout. Like, it's basically Fallout, but, like, medieval. Yeah, absolutely. That would make um, sense. Same people. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's basically just Fallout with swords. Yes. Basically. Um, and and I really love that. Like, I loved Fallout. I love that there's just so much you can do with it. Like, it kind of gets to be a bit much after a while. Like, there's just so many missions you could do. And you're kind of like, when is enough enough? (laughs) But, I mean, that's part of its charm, too. Like, it's a game that you could keep for the rest of your life and play it, you know, like, consistently throughout all of those years. And I feel like there would still, you would never, ever, ever get a hundred percent completion on it wow it's true you can't finish it yeah definitely <laughs> you literally it's just can't finish never it ending. it's just the never ending the goal story line. of video games <laughs> well you can finish the story but the, yeah. they will always continue to like propagate quests for you yeah. in the in yeah. the world um, so i mean it's just one of those games that i mean like it's not i mean skyrim's not a perfect game like it definitely has flaws but it's pretty darn close and it's a lot of fun to play mm. yeah i mean I, I it's not on my list i mean we'll talk about it i, I don't want to get too much into your number one but it's just the game is ridiculously huge and that's why it, it can't be perfect it's too big to be perfect but yeah it does what no other game really does that's out which is it gives you a fully open world where you can do anything that you want mm. you can ignore the story 
the whole game if you want. Like you can I play for hundred hours. I've, I've had it from day one, and I mm. still haven't gotten into it. I made yeah. my character, but yeah. I barely played because it was just it was so overwhelming. It's daunting. Yeah, I, I walked into a town, and my friend was trying to show me the ropes to mm. kind of like ease me into it. Mm. He's like, "There's the tavern. There's the weaponsmith. Mm. There's this. There's the hotel. There's that." <laughs> and I'm like, "Oh my god! All the buildings look the same." Yeah, that's one of the, that's my issues with it, but. I found that sticking with the main story for at least like the first couple hours is a good thing to do so you get yourself acclimated to the world. But um, it's a great number. I mean, it's obviously it's a lot of people's number one. It's a lot, it was a lot of people's games of the year. Um, it's just as much as I love that game, it's just not it's not like a Bobby game. It's not the game. It's not the kind of game that I react to the strongest. Shortle approved. Um, <laughs> which brings me to my number one, which you already talked about, um, and that's Portal 2. That is your number one. Yes. I knew. Oh. I said that to you the other day and you went, no. I was just being facetious. <laughs> oh, he was trying to throw me off, yeah. you sneaky little. Um, Portal 2 is not only, we talked about this on Family Remix so, uh, like yeah. back in April, mm-hmm. but it, it's not only my favorite game of the year, it's one of my favorite games of all time. Um, I, I have, in the, this, there's a few games this generation that have made me feel um, like I'm playing a, 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 like a, a really special experience and this is one of them like I said the writing is inc- incredibly clever um, I didn't want to leave the world it makes you feel smart the game makes you feel smart when you solve its puzzles and obviously and it's not even that it's particularly hard it's just there's a certain way of thinking like in, in Portal you have to think in portals and if you're not used to it, it it's a little bit difficult but once you get into that rhythm it's really satisfying like but do this and I do that and I do this and I do this and I do that and then you kind of go yeah and it, and it, when you put together these chains of stuff it just makes you feel you know and like you're putting like, the speed gel down yeah. and launching through a portal and then bouncing off a wall and, yeah. yeah using your momentum to fall down a hole into a portal and that portal you put up here so you your momentum of falling down turns into forward momentum when you come shooting out of the other portal. That's brilliant. Yeah, it, and it's just, it, it's an amazing experience. Um, and I love that feeling of, what if I do this? And you're like, it worked! Yeah. You know, like that, that great feeling. I, you know, love that feeling. So that's my, that's my number one. Portal. I love portaling the turrets and watching them fall. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and they start shooting everywhere and then they just kind of collapse. Little, like the voices of all those turrets... Nolan yep. North, the guy does the voice of Nathan Drake in yes. Uncharted. Um, so really, really quick because we're running super long. Um, honorable mentions. I'll just go through really quick. I just have three real quick. I, I have I have five. I'll, I'll just go back from. So if I if I was doing a top ten, number six would be Resistance three. Number mm-hmm. seven would be Skyrim. Number eight would be Uncharted three. Number nine would be Gears of War three. And number ten would be Mortal Kombat. Ah. All right, um, me, real quick. Uh, I had honorable mentions. I had Bastion, mm. which we already talked about. Uh, Batman, mm-hmm. of course, still loved it. Awesome. Mm-hmm. And uh, a game that nobody mentioned, a downloadable game called Limbo. Yeah, but that technically That's didn't, not this year. It came out last year. Was it? That's, yeah. 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 Ah, my the it list. Came out, it came out on the PlayStation 3 this year. Oh, all right. The but list that I, that I used to create my games yeah. lied to it me. It was probably the PS. It's not <laughs> the PS3 version, but the Xbox version came out last year. All right, well then, fuck it. But uh, still an amazing game. Yeah, no, it was. It was, was on my top five list last year. Actually, it was. It was short and sweet, and yeah. it was dark. And I really, really want another one. Yeah, amazing. Um, Stephen, do you have any honorable mentions? Um, not too many honorable mentions. Uh, basically, I really enjoyed Bulletstorm. It was kind of silly and repetitive, but it was a lot of fun. I know Steve didn't like it, but whatever. Nope. Um, and then I guess like I played La Noir, Dead Island, and Rage, but all three of those really let me down. Like. 
I really wanted L.A. Noir to be amazing. Rage I wanted Dead Island to be amazing. Mm-hmm. And I want Rage to be amazing. And they weren't. Rage was so, awful. Yeah. I, I played a lot of these this week to kind of prepare for this list. And they sucked. So I have no more honorable mentions. All right. So I think uh, Talking Comics Game of the Year is probably Gears of War 3. Yeah. Yeah. I'd say that would probably be the, the game to pick. Yeah. I would say it made it all into all of it. It was on my yeah. top five, but I mean, I agree with you guys about everything we were saying about it. So I think that it's since it's our it's our team building it exercise, our game. Game. it is our it, game of the it year. It should be yes. our game of the year. Yeah, absolutely. All right. So that's it for that. Um, we'll go down th- this week's releases really quick and we will get out of here. Thanks for sticking with us this long. Yeah, yes. absolutely. If you're still here. Yes. Um, so really quick. Um, here we go. From Dark Horse. We have Buffy the Vampire Slayer Season 9, Sweet. number 5. Um, we have Lobster Johnson, The Burning Hand, number oh, 1. Oh yeah, <laughs> man. That's on my list. <laughs> that fits right into my <laughs> RoboCop road that trip. That sounds an off-the-beaten path, man. Yeah. Um, RoboCop road trip. Yeah, Star Wars Knights <laughs> of the Old Republic, number 1, which I'll probably be picking up. Um, from DC Comics, uh, all new Batman: The Brave and the Bold, number fifteen. Batgirl, number five. Yeah. Batman and Robin, mm-hmm. number five. Um, Batwoman, number five. Sweet. Uh, Deathstroke, number five. Blech. Demon Knights, <laughs> number five. Yeah. Frankenstein, Agent of Shade, number yes. five. Green Lantern, number five. Mm-hmm. Grifter, number five. Let's see. Uh, Legion Lost, number five. Mister Terrific, number five. Um, <laughs> Ray, number two. Resurrection Man, number five. All right. Um, Shade number four of twelve. Superboy number five. Suicide Squad number five. Um, and unwritten number thirty-three. Um, real quick from IDW. Doctor Who number thirteen. H.P. Lovecraft: The Dunwich Horror number four of four. Um, are, we, are you reading that, Bob? Nope. Oh, interesting. <laughs> <laughs> um, image, image. We have Activity number two. Um, Darkness number ninety-seven. I feel like it's a Darkness book every week. Invincible number eighty-seven. Uh, Moriarty number eight. Pigs number five. Spawn number two fifteen. And Severed number six yes. of seven. And Whispers number one. Whispers. Oh, and Strange Talent of Luther Strode number four of six. Seriously? Yeah. Sweet. I'll also be checking out Whispers this week. Cool. Um, from Marvel, we have Amazing Spider-Man number six seventy-seven. Avengers nineteen fifty-nine number five of five. Um, Battle Scars number three of six. Pink Panther, Pink Panther, Black Panther. <laughs> it's been for a long time. But Black Panther, the most dangerous man alive, number five twenty-eight. Pink Panther, the most dangerous <laughs> man alive. Awesome. I would read that book. Yeah. Um, finally, brilliant number two. Hey, it's finally mm-hmm. out. Um, Captain America, number seven. Uh, Carnage USA, number two. Sweet. Dokken. Dark Wolverine, number nineteen. Um, Dark Tower of the Gunslinger, the Way Station, number two. Deadpool, number 49. Incredible Hulk, number four. Um, Journey into Mystery, number 633. Magneto, not a hero, number three of five. Uh, New Avengers, number 20. Uh, Punisher Max, number 21. Scarlet Spider, number one. Me checking that out. Um, me, me checking that out? Is that what you're saying? Me checking that me out. Ch- yeah. Me checking to, that out. Me checking that out tomorrow. <laughs> oh, yeah. I'm going to check that out as well. Uh, Secret Avengers, number 21. Um... There's so many. Oh, Wolverine number 300. Wolverine and the X-Men number four. Yes, yes. X-Factor number 230. Um, and X-Men Legacy number 260.1. If that's not confusing enough. Um, and that is... I believe, doesn't uh, Curtis Weeb's uh, Peter Panzerfaust come out tomorrow? That's Image, right? Yes. I didn't see it on the list. Really? No, it's February. 
Panzer Pass is February. I just want it to be out today. No, it's, it's not. <laughs> it comes out in February. Um, so that's it for the releases for today. If uh, or Wednesday, if you're listening to this on Wednesday, um, and that's it for our show. Thank you so much for sticking with us for all nearly two hours of this really? talking comics marathon podcast. Oh, um, uh, you're used to this, though, Bob. I, I think I, I dragged over the fanboy remix thing here. <laughs> yes. Sorry about that. Yes, you did. Uh, sorry, we had a lot to get through, so it's okay. Um, so that is it for the show. For Bob, good evening, Steve. Goodbye, everybody. Stephanie. <laughs> and I've been Bobby. Till next week on Talking Comics, to be continued. <laughs> <laughs>